Hey, brother. Hello, brother. Welcome to Season 6, uh, Episode 10 of Match Wits. I'm your host, Steve, alongside my younger brother, Chris. Say something. I don't even want to. All right. Uh, Matchwits is a nostalgia-infused pop culture podcast where we go toe-to-toe and talk about all sorts of different stuff and tap into our large repertoire of useless knowledge. Today's episode is do-overs, remakes. So um, before we get started, a couple of things. Um, and again, because we're talking about remakes, we're probably talking about movies that were made a long time ago. But uh, we will talk about spoilers. Um, but again, I don't anticipate a lot in, in this one. Um also, uh, I think with the, the dimwit count, um, I don't think we had any in the last episodes. I think no. I still owe you a dollar. Um, yep. but, uh, we, we might have some in this one as we talk about, um, as we talk about remakes and, and, and all things remakes. So, but usually again, before we get into, you know, going on and on about movies, uh, like to talk about, you know, something from our childhood that kind of ties it, ties it all together and, and, sure. and. And remake, I think of I think of remakes. I think of do overs, and I think of mulligans, right? And I think of uh, uh, something that comes to mind for me is this: one of those weird things that just that just struck me this week when we we're kind of thinking through what this pod, you know, what we're going to go through on this podcast. Um, and it was the fact that you know we grew up in, in like not on your typical like subdivision. We kind of grew up in a city. Um, and although there was a park fairly nearby to play sports, we tended to play a lot of our sports in the street. Sure. Um, we played, you know, we played things like what step ball, which is where Stair- you throw the, we call the stairs. That's that where you call- yeah. We used to throw it against the, the stairs. And if you got it all the way to the street, it was a certain, I think it was a double. If you could yeah, get single it double triple, if you got it across the street, it was a, it was a but home you run. Would, you would throw it too hard and you would completely miss the stairs and you would hit whoever it was, uh, their door, their storm door, the, and it would the, make um, that the aluminum, the aluminum oh. door, and it would make that rattling noise, and they would come out, and they're like, "All right, one more time," and then you guys have to go play somewhere else, and you yeah. do it again, and then you would move like three houses up the streets to yeah. the Damaris, and then throw yeah. it off their door a couple of times. Yeah, you know? and then their parents would come out and move you yeah. around. Yeah, so so step ball was one um, street football. Football, right? The football. Telephone pole, the telephone pole. Telephone pole, the telephone pole. Yeah. Um, you know, so you could use the curbs to catch your, you know, do, do your sideline routes and stuff like that. Yeah. And then, and we were big hockey people, but yeah. street hockey too. You know, with, particularly in the winter when <laughs> everything was slippery and and all that, we'd pull the goals out and you know, we play play street hockey or what have well, you. And then that's what you know, we're starting to get into with Brody. He's four, so we're he's he's going out. He plays soccer at school, and he plays. We have him going out for baseball this year, but he's shown an interest in hockey, Steve. Like that's literally the only sport I didn't play growing up. Like baseball, soccer, basketball, football. Like I could help him with all those things. I I can barely skate. Like I've skated and stuff, and I can do okay, but I definitely can't hockey skate. And then handling a stick is just so foreign to me. So I was able to use that. I was like, all right. So if he takes a, a takes a liking to hockey, that's on you, Aaron. That's on my wife because she's a hockey fan. But I also <laughs> know that at that age group, hockey time or ice time for six, seven, eight year old kids is four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning on Saturdays. <laughs> Have fun right. with that. Have have fun with that, dear. No thanks. If he wants to go well, play basketball, I'll go shoot. I'll go shoot hoops with him for eight hours a day for the next fifteen years. I got no problem with that. But hockey, I got. I'm I got with you. I had it. no. I mean, I we used to go to the the whatever the, the Erie Blades that then became yep. the Erie Otters or whatever. JMC Ice Arena. Well, no, they were Civic Center is where they. 
where the blades would play, where the, no. the, the when I was a kid, they played at the the, Civic, the Tulio Convention Center is where they played all the amateur hockey games because they were legit EHL. You know, they were the minor leagues. Okay, well then, prep or any of the other ones played at that one up by. Yeah, the yeah, Zoo. the high school teams played at JMC for sure. Yeah. Um, well, that's so, where I skated. I never skated at the the Civic Center. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, I never, I never got I hockey. I mean, no. I, watching it was cool. It was just something to go do. You know, yeah. uh, but ne- I was never big hockey. And I've been to a couple of games. I've been to a couple of Penguins games. I went to the Penguins Caps playoff game a couple of years ago. It, um, the the sport translates so well live. Like on television, it's not good. It's it's hard to follow, and if you're really not up to speed on all the penalties and stuff like that. But live, the live sport itself is awesome. Like we've gone to some Flyers games. Like we've taken a Brody to a a few Flyers games, and I used to go to uh, Penguins games with Mike and Jen and stuff like that when I lived in Pittsburgh. And it's great live, but it's at fun. Home, yeah, at home, at home, no thanks. Hard pass. I've been to I've been to three different venues to see professional hockey. I've never been to an NBA game. Okay, well, I've seen. I saw the. I saw the. Uh, what are they? The the Carolina. What are they? The Cyclones. Like when they <laughs> when I lived in Raleigh, they were a new team. They played at Wake Forest. So I went and saw them, and uh, I've seen the Penguins play in Pittsburgh, and I saw the, the Caps bo- play. The bo- the bo- oh wait, you're talking about hockey? Yeah, yeah. Uh, isn't it the Carolina Hurricanes? The Hurricanes. I say the Cyclones. Whatever. Yeah, the Cyclones. Yeah. No, it was a ton of fun, though, because they were play, they played Scorpions, Rocky, you know, Rocky Like a Hurricane, and, mm-hmm. and it was like their first year in the league. And, again, they weren't even playing in Raleigh yet because they hadn't built the 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 the, no. the venue they were going to play at. So they were playing at Wake Forest, which was like 45 minutes away. It was really, a lot of fun. Are we really talking about hockey, though? We are. But the reason we're talking about this and how this relates to our topic today is when we would play those games like hockey, like street hockey, like football, we had all sorts of different do-overs, right? Like, so, like, car, there's a car coming, like, you had to pick up the goal, move it to the side, or if you're playing football, and if somebody, like, if you're in the middle of a play, like, playing street football, you're in the middle of a play, and somebody saw the car... And they would stop running the route, or they would stop playing defense. Play, and they're like, "No, dead. there was a there was a car coming. You do it over." No, no man, play, just... play, play was dead, man. It's like it's like when the ref throws a false start whistle. It doesn't matter. Like if it offsides, they can let the the play run and see what you can do. But nope, if someone if someone calls car, plays dead. Start start from exactly. Scratch. So it was it was a, it was a do over. Or if if for some reason you were throwing a long pass and it hit the hit the um, the, the electric like the power lines the or power the phone lines, lines or the sign. If it, if it caught the sign, if you were doing like a sideline pass yep. and it yep. and it hit was, like the that, schools. Yeah, it was then it was a do over. So it was. I was just thinking about that. Like we had like because we didn't actually play on a proper field, we always had we always had do overs, and then there was always a point of contention. Like, no man, you can't. We can't do that over. And you know, weren't you was, the one that? Were, was it you that almost tore your ear off when someone led you into a tree? Was that you, or was that one of my? No, that was me. I tackled Sean McNerney into a <laughs> um, in, into a tree on the opening kickoff, and that was where we were too old. Like we were like we were proper high school kids, but we were playing tackle football with no equipment. Sure, and absolutely, and, and I got concussed. I <laughs> my ear was all a half torn off, and and then 
I sat out like I was literally I was concussed. Like I was laying in the snow. Sure. I was loopy singing songs. And then I came back and the last play of the game, I split my chin open on Bobby Chantaller's face Smooth. and needed stitches. Is that where your is that where your fingers all mangled as well? No, that was that was from playing for Holy Rosary. Oh, uh, okay. So fair enough. So anyways we were talking uh, about uh football earlier because we had to get Brody he's got baseball coming up and we had to get him like a U size medium. Like he's four. He should he should be wearing like toddler size batting helmets and we had to go to like the young adult section. <laughs> And the guy was just laughing at it. He was like, sir, I think your son's a little too young for the equipment over here. I was like, look at his head. And he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, we tried to put a kid's helmet on and it didn't fit. And so he was like, oh, my God, really? And I told the story about when I was in fifth grade playing for Holy Rosary, they went through every single JV helmet to try to see what fit it or what would fit my giant head. And they had to get an eighth grade helmet because I so I ended up being the only one that had a different helmet than the rest of them i think because i think the the varsity had the tiger on the side of it and the jv had the paw so everybody else had the paw and i had the tiger on the side of it because i had a gigantic head from the time i was a child so yeah brody's got the same affliction man yep we all have the grande cabezas that's right so the so the other thing of talking about do-overs right and talking about sports and everything and i had to look this up but the mulligan right that's probably the greatest do-over ever right and talk about like yeah. bones of contention because people could kind of twist that like in, in in proper golf there is no do-overs no and it, but somehow you have this mulligan which was and and i guess there's two schools of thought on where it came from the one i thought was interesting was there was a uh this is back in the 1920s and 30s there was a guy that he was an amateur golfer named David Bernard Mulligan, mm-hmm. um and he would drive to the he would drive to the the uh uh, course, the course. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say rank. I was like, he's going to drive to the he's going to drive to the course, um, and he had like an old. What time, I'm trying to think of what kind of car it was, um, a Briscoe, like an old touring car. And he would get there, and those old cars, like I guess it was like his hands were shaking. So when he would tee off on the first tee, he, he like duffed his shot or whatever, and he just put it put another ball down and hit it again and called it a correction shot. There you go. And then his friends started calling it a, a, a mulligan. Well, Steve, of course there's no mulligans in real golf. In real golf, you're supposed to walk 18 holes. No. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not going, I'm not playing golf for exercise. I'm going golf to, to, to drink a couple beers sitting outside in peace and quiet. Like, right. And, and no. drive a go-kart. And drive a cart. <laughs> Like that's that's what I go for. Like if anybody tries to tell me that I can't have a beer or a cigar while I'm out on the golf course and just sit for a little bit, like we're the guys that you have to come up and tell us to turn our music down. So like we bring little Bluetooth speakers and like sit it in the cup holder and we like play music <laughs> as we're playing and stuff. Like nice. we don't because we're not good and we're way past the statute of limitations of actually ever being good. Like I don't play enough. I don't practice enough in order to be good at golf. So I need to enjoy it for what it is. Any sport that you can do while having a beer, smoking a cigar and, and relaxing is okay with me. Golf, pool, darts, like anything like that, yeah, yeah. that, that you can yeah, do. Anything where you can do beer in hand. Yeah. Agreed. Right. So, 
So anyway, so that Mulligan again, probably the most well-known duo of all time, which which right. gets us into our really our main topic uh, on this episode. And this is a little bit kind of a, a deviation from the way we've done the formats of some of these other podcasts here in season six. Uh, I don't know that we're going to do an actual top six list. We could, we probably can maybe agree on it, but we're going to talk about yeah. remakes and and particularly movies that. Maybe you're ripe for, for a remake. Um, well, see, that's one of the things I, I really want to make sure that we, we talk about. Like, I don't want to talk about movies that made, like, a narrative choice. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to talk about a movie of, like, well, if I made it, I would have made it this way. I want to talk about things or movies that the technology failed them or there was there was a limitation to their budget and it, it had a great idea or it had a great concept and it just wasn't executed the way... It could have been due to budgetary constrictions or technology constrictions and things like that. Because, Steve, I know how hard it is to make a movie. I know how many moving parts go into it in order to make something seamless. So I don't want to badmouth anybody else's work. I just want to kind of focus on ones that I really enjoyed the story and could benefit for a, a more of a modern updating. That's all. I don't want to badmouth people's work. I just want to kind of focus on ones that they do like and say, hey, these would be good if we could update them a little bit. Right. Uh, well, and, 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 I, and I want to I talk about this with you before we get into, like, listing off movies and everything. Because I think there's, there's a couple of things here, right, about and, – and, and, of course, the business of Hollywood controls a lot of sure. this, right? If you, have a, if you have a movie that did well, then you're going to try to do whatever you can with that property, that intellectual property, and try to monetize it, right? Sure. So, it's the it's the remake versus the reboot kind of versus the continuation, right? Okay. So, to me, a remake is um, Red Dawn, right? Okay. They they did they did Red Dawn. I, I refuse to watch the new one. I just re- well, I flat I flat uh, out refused. I didn't see it. It could have been it could have been good. It could have been, it didn't so, it didn't matter to me. The the original Red Dawn. Well, was fine for me, right? Well, it was- all right, so there, there's an actually a really interesting story behind the remake of it. So I was against it too, Steve, and I actually watched it, and it, it's not very good. But originally, the reboot was supposed to focus solely on the Chinese as the other global superpower as they are at this point in time due to sheer numbers and their, you know, their gross national product and things like that. So that was the... They, they were meant to be the villain the entire time during shooting, like the the uniforms that were used, the the aircraft and the, the, the warfare machines that were used were all Chinese based. And then they realized that by doing that, you're alienating the entire global market. That is a, how many people live in China? Two billion people or whatever it is, Steve. Right. So like halfway, through, they realized they're like, oh no, that's probably not a good idea. So then they changed it to like this faceless, you know what I mean? Like Asian right. country where, you know, they are Asian, but they don't actually refer to themselves as Chinese. So where the, the original took place in the, the height of the Cold War and we had no problems blaming the Russians or the Cubans or any of those. Right other powers for invading the United States. So they tried to update it and it would have been kind of an interesting stance on, on global politics and, and global economies and think and, and pressing issues. But then they, they felt the pressure of the box office and caved. 
Right. So that that's why when I was reading the behind the scenes of it, because it has a lot of people that I like in it. It has Chris Hemsworth. It has Josh Peck. It has a few other people that I, that younger actors that should have been really good in that. But we also have such a soft spot for the original because that Red Dawn's on the VHS tape. Oh <laughs> yeah. Remember, oh yeah. I absolutely. Remember, and and I think there's there's something on, about this list which is. The more rewatchability the movie, the harder it is to remake. Mm-hmm. Right? For me, I have seen Red Dawn so many times, I could yeah. almost recite it. That to me, remaking that is just—it's—it's it, it either it's either the the name Red Dawn and it's a completely different story, or it's it's going to be it's just going to feel too weird because again, I've seen the original Red Dawn so many times. It's it's going to be like this is just a cheap copy. But that so. that just that falls in our personal zeitgeist. It's not in the 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 modern movie going audiences don't have that same loyalty to Red Dawn that you and I do. I mean, there is a huge contingent of people our age, my or my age, your age, and maybe even slightly younger. But once you start talking about Patrick Swayze and C. Thomas Howell to modern audiences, they're like, who the hell are you even talking about? Right. Like, Patrick Swayze's been dead for five or six years. And then you bring up Roadhouse and they're like, the bouncer movie where he's got a mullet? Like, we didn't see those as cheesy at the time. I mean, sure, to a certain extent they were. But, like, we thought those were B.A. action movies that were that we were sneaking off to see something that we we shouldn't have seen like i never understood the the politics of red dawn when i first saw it i just thought it was a cool action movie about kids in high school fighting a war and being <laughs> right. kind of punk rock soldiers and stuff and like living that. in the woods and living in the woods and then now when you you start talking about with the same kind of affection that we do i don't know if the general public holds that same affection so right. it, they they just see cash grabs. They just see, well, this property did well. We could just remake it for a relatively low budget, give decent but lower lower salaries to act or younger actors, remake it, and even if it doesn't make a lot of money, we can recoup expenses and make another one. So, but that's why I mean, like Red Red Dawn was one of those ones because I had such affection and affinity for the original. I watched the second one, and I was like, ah, that really wasn't very good. It missed a lot of opportunities that it could have. And then I did the research about all the politics behind the scenes and what they did of, like, oh, hey, maybe we don't want to alienate alienate one of our our largest (laughs) foreign box offices. So, So, but you you bring up a good – so I'm going to go back to Roadhouse, right? Because that's one of those things that for me, high rewatchability, like if it's on TV, I'll sit and watch it like boot, you know, like cool stuff in it. And Patrick's crazy. You can't remake that. And now nope. they're talking about remaking it with Ronda Rousey as the lead. Yep. I heard that. Like I'm not, I'm not in, I'm not in did, on that. Like, did you I, know they made a sequel? No, not not with Patrick Swayze, and not. I think there may have been a couple of the original like background cast, like no Terry Funk. Like I always forget that Terry Funk is in Roadhouse. As oh, one right, the, right. He's one of the goons, but um, they made and, it. Um, uh, and the uh, um, the the blind guitar player, Jeff Healy. Jeff Healy, yeah. Come on, like there's man. so many things about that movie that are that are good. And Steve, what? did you know that I was in? I I helped make and. And and was in like a bad 
we called it Saturday night thing. It was just like a bunch of our friends got together and did like an homage to Roadhouse. Like it had all like the Roadhouse jokes and one of them played. Oh, I guy. think I saw that somewhere. I think you sent it to me. Years, it was, it was, was like years it's ago. It's not good. Oh, it's not good at all. But it was so fun to do because we got uh, one of our friends is, is friends with the wrestler called New Jack who wrestled in like all like ECW before it went legit mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. He, came, he came on set and was just like screaming at everybody. And it was in the middle of a snowstorm. And it was like at this CD bar that we borrowed for the, it was, it was a fun production, but the end, end result. But so all of my friends are like, I love Roadhouse. Like it's that's yeah, me too. And I can't like, you, you can't remake that. Like you can't, I mean, they're going to, and it's Hollywood and they can do whatever sure. they want, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not in on that. So I'm going to throw a couple others at you because again, I, for me, the rewatchability really hurts the ability to remake it. Like if something was like, it just didn't, it didn't get off the ground. Right. Sure. So for me, like, so let's, let's take Van Helsing. Right. So, that's on my list. I think they're remaking that. The one with um, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. I am yeah. bad with names today. Uh, <laughs> he, 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 like it, that never kind of uh, like the movie was like it just didn't go anywhere. Like I think I watched it once, um, and I don't, I don't know that it was very good. I don't, it it could have been good. It just didn't ha- leave a, a lasting mark. You could it, remake that without much problem. You could swap out Hugh Jackman for somebody else, and I think no harm, no foul. Don't fall into the. It came on the heels of under. What was that? Underworld, the the Kate Beckinsale, the vampire versus werewolves one, where everything yep. was stylistic, like these overly, overly stylistic. Like the Hugh Jackman had like a gun that had like, yeah, whips or something. I I, I remember <laughs> yeah, watching yeah. it, and the CGI is done. Like, don't do a high concept action movie on a beloved franchise. Like, it's it's. Van Helsing, it's it's Dracula, it's the the, the literally the 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 standard of horror writing. Like that's Bella Lugosi and and the the history of it all. Like don't make a high concept fantasy about that character. Do it about make create a new character if you want to do that. But Van Helsing shouldn't be a big budget action movie in the vein of The Mummy. With with Brendan Fraser, like that worked because Brendan Fraser is a goofball. Like <laughs> right. Hugh Jackman's not a goofball. Like he's funny and he's a great actor, but he's not that same kind of goofball like ability of a Brendan Fraser or a Nathan Fillion or that kind of looks like a leading man but isn't. The Bruce Campbell, like that's the perfect right, example. Right. Yeah, of what exactly. He looks like the the leading man but he's kind of a bumbling idiot where Hugh Jackman looks like the leading man, acts like the leading man that it, it right. just doesn't work. So So you would be in on the Van Helsing remake. If the it falls into if you did it dark and gritty. I don't But, but the that. idea the idea of remaking like I, I like I like to get the it is I, like we're talking about ripe for remake I think Van Helsing's sure. ripe for a remake. The idea of a movie solely following on the the Dracula or the vampire hunter that ends up killing Dracula? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. But don't don't give me over the top action pieces of re- grappling hooks and all bad CGI. Like, don't do that. Right. Like, make it, well, make it. Yeah, they're gothic. not going to do the same that they did whenever it was made, like, 2000. Make it a gothic horror movie. Like, yeah. make it a dark, 
vampire. Are vampires cliched now? Are, are they going the way of the zombies where you're just like, all right, we're going to have to let those rest for five yeah. to ten years before we can come back? Probably. Monster movies in general. I mean. Yeah. Kaiju movies. Big monster movies are, are big now. That, mm. That's that's what's making a comeback now. The individual, the individual werewolf, Frankenstein. Mothra. Yeah. Dude, the they're making a King King Kong versus Godzilla, Godzilla movie. Godzilla, yeah. Come on, like, did you watch right. King Kong Skull Island? The, uh, the I did. It was one? good. It was great. I liked it. Yeah. it was great. Like, not just good. Like, that's what I want. I want to see King Kong fighting other giant <laughs> things, and I I want it done well. the The problem that I ran in with like the Brian Cranston Godzilla movie is Godzilla didn't show up till later in it, but when he showed up. It was awesome. Like, <laughs> right. Stop stop hiding it from me. Like, we don't... We went to see... Or you watch Pacific Rim because you want to see a giant robot fighting a giant monster. I don't need to know <laughs> the backstory between the brothers that were pilots. Like, we just... Aaron and I earlier just watched The Meg. I know this is going to go to damn my movie credibility, but the Jason Statham giant shark movie mm-hmm. that, that he was in not too long ago, it's not good. But when the shark shows up, it does some stuff. It's pretty cool. Like, <laughs> but it takes all this time to set up these family dynamics right. that you don't give a crap about. Like, just give me a giant shark biting chips in half and eating sperm whales in like two bites. <laughs> like, just give me that. Right. Like, don't apologize for what you are. So, sorry, I went off on a tangent. So, all right. So, but we agree. Like, not, not how it's done. But if if there's a movie that was done originally that was. Uh, underwhelming and it was a good story that could be remade at Van Helsing's one. Sure. Um, all right. So I'm going to give you one that I would like to me is untouchable. And I know I, I, from what I read, they're remaking it. Or at least there's, there's concepts out there, which would be naked gun with Ed Helms. Mm. To me, like <sighs> Leslie Nielsen is naked gun. Uh, he, I, but that's, he's secret. Frank Drebin. Like I, uh, you, you can't. I, to me, you just can't do it, the re- and that's because of the rewatchability. I've seen the Naked Gun movies so many times; I could recite them by heart. You, have. I don't like Ed Helms. Not that it wouldn't be funny, but I'm just like, come on, can't we do something else? You, but Steve, that's you. Like I feel the same way. Like we. But grew is it up- ripe for a remake? Do, do we need a Naked Gun movie right now? Do we need? Did were no. the were the original no. three bad? And didn't really live up to expectation, or did they create like a whole new genre? I mean, again, yeah, they they showed everybody how effing hilarious Leslie Nielsen is. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, obviously, Airplane did that, and and but that was the first time that you really, really saw what he was able to do comedically. And the, you know, the cameos by OJ Simpson, or not cameo, he starred in that movie. Yeah, I mean, he was in a starring, it was OJ in a starring role, and Reggie Jackson and stuff. Like the the first one is absolutely hysterical Must and still. Kill. The Infin- queen. <laughs> infinitely quotable, but like, sure, it's dated and it's going to fall into the Hollywood meat machine of them just recycling whatever they can squeeze a little bit of money after or out of. But I mean, they tried to do it with with Ed Helms being grown up Rusty Griswold for the new vacation movie. And it had its moments, but it didn't have the same the same heart. It was right. it was a crass comedy where the original was was really about Clark and his family and then mm-hmm. the, the crap that happened to them and then him reacting to it. Steve, if you ever get a chance, A and E has one of those inside stories. Remember, I told you I watched the two hour documentary about the making of Caddyshack. Caddyshack, yeah, dude. I fa- I finally finished the National Lampoon's Vacation one. 
holy crap, man. Like, that is, they got all the big ones. Harold Ramis is on it. Uh, Chevy Chase is in it. Beverly D'Angelo is in it. Dude, they traveled around the American, like, the southern part. Like, the they, the road trip that they go on in the movie, the entire production went on this road trip for, like, five months. Like, they started in, like, Kentucky somewhere and then just drove across the country. Like, 50 trucks, 150 crew, cast and crew. Like, they said it was just basically like a a traveling circus, but it ended up becoming... They all bonded, and they have all these great stories. The, The story that I love to talk about is... The stunt guy who drives the family truckster when it jumps off the end of the road, that big jump scene, they yeah. had a they had a bet on how far it would go. And the stunt guy, I think it had like an extra seatbelt and he wore a helmet. Like no roll cage, no spe- <laughs> special special safety equipment. And they were just like, how far do you think you could do it? He was like, I sa- he said, I can do it 50 yards. And the, th- the guys look at it like, no way. Like, that's that's impossible. They're like, there's no way you're getting this truck. He was like, oh, I, I, he was like, there's no way you're getting this station wagon this far. He's like, oh, yeah. And he walks up and he drew an X in the sand of where he said it was going to hit. And he went all the way up the hill, floored it, and he hit the X. And he ended up winning money <laughs> from everybody awesome. in the caster crew. But, like, walked out. Like, I think his nose was bleeding because he banged it off the steering wheel in the truck. <laughs> right. But just the... If you if you get a chance and you can find it, it is it's one of those ones that if I could go back in time and work on any movie set, it would be on that. One. Oh, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, so, it would be awesome. So, but that one again, I, I didn't watch the remake. I was like, ah, without, uh, I wasn't interested. Um, all right, here's a couple on my list. So I'm, the next one I'm going to put out there. So Short Circuit, right? The Steve Gutenberg, Ali yeah. Sheedy. We've talked about it on the podcast before. Sure. It, it's it, it something like that where it's it's dated, right? Well, sure. Yeah. It's and but it, you could refresh that, and in the world of AI and robotics, you could you could do number five being alive and and all that, and you could you could reboot you could reboot that, or you know you could do that, you could remake that, and I think it would be good, and I'd be in for that. Not well, that the first one wasn't good. But you can't go back and watch Short Circuit now, and you're just like, this is hokey. This is hokey because robotics has come so far, yeah. and the idea of artificial intelligence has come so far. So if you're talking about ones that, like, that's one of those ones that falls under the category of the technology fails them at the time. It doesn't hold up because you see the robots that it still has tread. You know what I mean? Like, it's one right. of those ones that moves around on that. When you see, now you see Boston, or... Was it Boston Dynamics? Is that the one? Is that the robotics company that creates the nightmare fuel walking robots that you can't knock over or the one right. that does yeah, backflips? I, yeah, I can't remember. But that's what I mean. So it, you look at those robots is what we are, are are the robots that we have now, the ones that have the the perfect balance that you can't knock over and can do backflips on command. And then right. you look back, and then you have. Johnny Five that on tank treads and still using servo motors <laughs> right. and, and and still bright LED lights and things like yeah. that. So that falls into the category of I would rather see war games updated because of mm. the idea of nuclear proliferation and yep. and gaming culture and artificial intelligence. You could make a really really poignant social parable about all of that like not to say the original war games isn't fantastic i i still have a no we just very, talked about it i mean yeah. i just watched it with the kids we just watched it and 
but you could you could update it without bastardizing the original. Like it's one of those ones that at the time it was ahead of its time because people didn't really know computers and I forget what the actual ter- or the the uh, analogy is, but anytime a, a technology appears on film, it's already five to ten years outdated. Like, right, that's what the government doesn't want you to know. Like, so the idea of the uh, the Will Smith movie, Enemy of the State, like all those surveillance tactics and oh, what yeah. they were doing were already five to ten years outdated at that point in time. That's why the government allowed the filmmakers to show them because they had already moved on to something else. But that's what war games to me was, is that there was behind the scenes of NORAD and all that, all that yeah, yeah. where now you can modernize it. And it's not just about two global superpowers having nuclear weapons. You can make it about the idea of nuclear proliferation across India and Pakistan and, and make something interesting about it without bastardizing. The well, well, yeah. And you don't even have to do, you don't even have to do nukes, right? I mean, sure. it's, this is the, we're in a different world now where with, with the internet and everything that you could do it about anything, you could shut down the, you know, infrastructure. You could, there's tons of stuff you could sure. do with that and, and make it more, make it more modern. It sounds like they were, they tried to remake that a couple of times. It might be doing a web series instead of doing an actual remake of the movie. Fair enough. That makes sense. But like, that's one of those ones that we hold dear. But I would still like them to take a crap. No, I, I would be on board with that too. Because again, it's, it doesn't hold. I don't. The backdrop to it doesn't hold up. It's Cold War. Sure. It's antiquated tech, and and so the same reason. It's thirty five years old. Like Matthew Broderick's like twenty in it or something like that. So like yeah. modern audiences, modern generations aren't going to be able to sit through that anymore. Yeah. So I think the updating of it well that's another one that i had on my list dude like we hold it very dear i'd be interested to see a modern update of last starfighter because the Mm. the the special effects and stuff back then weren't great but the idea of the recruitment and the starfleet armada and you don't have to change the beats like the story beats at all i don't think you need to agree to modernize it to that extent. You could even leave it set in the 80s to kind of capitalize on the the, the wave of nostalgia love. But just the, the, the death blossom could be this different, this different spectacle on scene or on, on screen that they couldn't do in whatever it was, 1986 or whatever, <laughs> that right. they made it. Like that could be really cool because the idea of a, being good at something superfluous leading to a hero journey is is a cool concept regardless of what time frame you set it in so that's why i actually had it number one on the top of my mm. list yeah last starfighter was 84 the, okay. the year all the good movies came out <laughs> all right so the next one i'm going to go to is one that was like it, so i there's there's notes out here that uh, i found that they are going to re- remake it or reboot it okay um i was on the fence about it but i wanted your your thoughts on it um, which is white man can't jump. Ooh, I'm on the fence. Like I, I, I was like, man, if you did it, like if you cast it correctly, if you cast it correctly, it could be really good. But you're at the same point, the casting in the original Woody Harrelson, Wesley Snipes, like it's almost that's hard to beat. It's hard to beat it, it, so, because they're both they're both. I guess they're not both great actors. Like Woody Harrelson's a great actor. Wesley Snipes is a good actor. What Woody Harrelson's hysterical 
and Wesley Snipes is a good actor. It, yeah, but they and they but they play so well, and then Rosie Perez in there too. Like it was good. Um, and I guess Ken, doesn't, Kenya doesn't, Barris, the guy who does Blackish, is the one who's going to do okay. the remake. But doesn't it just smell like one of those movies that they're going to do, like Kevin Hart and Will Smith? You know what I mean? Like one of those kind of pairings where they're just going to give you whoever is the most culturally culturally relevant white comedian slash black comedian at that time. Of course, just... of course. That's what, that's what I said. I'm on the fence about it. Like, yeah. I, like you could you could update that. It was a good. Eh. I don't know. It breaks that because I think it, I haven't watched that movie in a long time, so the rewatchability of it's probably not high. But no, no, but it's, was... it's, it, it's interesting though. I mean, it's it, it, if you did it right, like if you did it with if you cast it correctly, sure, you know. But that's um, what I mean. Like anytime we bring up any of these ones, it's going to be a lot of ifs. It's going to be if yeah, yeah. they can they can catch they capture the spirit of the original if they can nail the tone of the whatever say the novel versus what the movie originally did that that's there's a lot of ifs in there that right so like one of the ones that's on my list is you brought up when like one of your favorite horror movies like i am legend the first the first hour of i am legend is great like the the idea of the the apocalypse in new york city and him being by himself and the this the slight descent into madness why he's talking to the the mannequins but then as soon as the playstation 2 cut screen zombie vampires show up it's just <laughs> terrible and it right. takes you out of that entire thing so i understand like that's that's the, the idea of i am legend is a richard matheson book that was made into a movie called the last man on earth i think was the vincent price one and then charlton heston was in one called the omega man and those are both really good but then they try to update it because the technology at the time failed the vincent price and the charlton heston ones and so you watch the first hour of the Will Smith one, and the CGI of empty New York is fantastic when he's when he's hunting the the wildlife through the streets of Central, oh, yeah, Central awesome. Park is great. And then the vampires show up, and you're like, oh my god, it looks like an eight year old rendered that on his Apple <laughs> IIe. And then it, and then when I pointed okay. out, Steve, you had never read the book, and a lot of people don't get the like the whole point of the title is he's. Will Smith's character goes into where these vampires are sleeping and murders them as they're sleeping, and then that's supposed to be—he's not the the majority anymore. He's the monster that is coming in and killing what is the status quo. And you're just like, "Holy crap! I didn't even realize that's the point." I was like, "Yeah, that's <laughs> the name of the book. Right. Is I am the legend. I am the one that these the new." dominant species on the planet warns their children fear. about yeah they fear of course so that's supposed to be the point but like it's so it missed that like there's this up ending like no the book richard matheson is a messed up dude and when he writes that kind of stuff when you change what he meant with the the original source material i think you lose what worked in the first place like the the book was successful it was popular and then you decided later that you're going to change his ending to placate the masses like no no right. thank you hard pass so. yeah that that could certainly be one and that's a you know fairly recent like some of the ones we we're talking about like you know the other one and we were talking about this before we jumped on here with night of the comet 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Comet, right? Which was, when the hell was that original one? That oh, was Lord, 84. early 80s? Yeah, I would say 84. Let's see. Dollar bet. Dollar bet. 1984. 1984. Ah, about two. All right. Yeah. I actually just watched it not too long ago, so I think I remember seeing oh, it yeah, ne- nice. next to it. Well, it was what I was I was falling asleep, and I was like, all right, I just need to see. I just need to put something on that I I've seen before, so if I doze <laughs> off, I don't miss anything. And it was like I, th- I I didn't want to watch Netflix, so I turned on Amazon Prime, and it's the first thing you might like, Night of the Comet Remastered. I was like. You know what? I would, Amazon Prime. Thank you very much. And nice. I hadn't seen Catherine Marriage Stewart in a while, and I was like, oh. Yeah. And then I did well, There you something. go. So. Yep. So uh, what do you think about remaking that? I mean. Eh. We'll see. Like the, like I said before, the the girl that is doing the adaptation, I think she's writing and directing, seems to get it. As soon as I, I saw the announcement that they were remaking it, I, I followed her on Twitter and I've been kind of following along and just reading some of the stuff. And she seems to get what made the original great. Great. So that's step one in the process of making a good remake. You have to be able to identify why it worked, what worked, what the fans are expecting. So one of the ones that we, when we originally were going to talk about the best and the worst remakes, like I had two up there that... They're different movies, but I think both work equally. Did you see the remake of The Evil Dead? The one that I think it's Fetty Alvarez did? did Steve, you never saw that? No, no. Which it, it was fairly recent, like last five years. Yeah, it's with Jane Levy, the girl that played, I think she was the All-American Virgin on TV. or what, But it's all, they updated that they take the girl to the, the same cabin that has the Necronomicon to she's going through withdrawal. So it's like them doing kind of an intervention at this. Mm-hmm. So it has this really interesting subtext about what friends will do for each other. And of course they find a Necronomicon, but it doesn't have the camp to it. And it is straight up splatter gore, which is awesome, but it doesn't, it, it's, it's different than the, the, the original or evil dead Two, where the, the splatter was almost slapstick where this right. one it's right. not yeah, yeah, yeah. it's straight up horrifying like Jane mm-hmm. Levy like talks about the behind the scenes where she was almost drowned in blood like oh, at geez. one point in time she gets hit with like a fountain of blood and she almost drowned in it so it works on its own and it I, I felt like it was it's almost did, almost did it a disservice to call it Evil Dead. Do you know what I mean? So right, like right. The original has such a, a, a it was so play. different. And it didn't. Yeah. yeah, but they put the they slapped the title on it. That's that, and that's again you could that's tricky, right? Really, it's, tricky. if it's in the same universe as or same, like it's got interwoven plot pieces like yeah. the Cabin and Necronomicon. You call it Evil Dead, and then but it's not really. And there's no Bruce Shh. Campbell. No, he shows up at the end, Steve. Like Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell were executive producers on it because they love the script and they love the cast and they love the 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 vision of what they wanted to do with it. Like so Ash shows up at the end of it. Like it's I mm-hmm. think it's a post credit stinger. So oh, like, okay. it, it it takes place in the same universe, but it, they're completely tonally they're completely separate movies, but they both work for what 
they set out to do. So when anybody says, or when anybody hears me say that I like the remake of The Evil Dead, they're like, oh, you definitely didn't like the original. Yeah, I did. (laughs) (laughs) I love the original. I love Bruce Campbell because of the originals. So it it, it toes a weird line. So when you say it might be right for a remake, sure. But it, it, it depends on whether it's going to stand on its own as two separate movies or whether you're just trying to echo what worked in the first because right. nobody nobody can do the slapstick that Bruce Campbell can right. so why even try so take the the bones of the story and change it and modernize it and that way I think you can have a more successful remake slash reboot than you would if you just tried to mimic what worked in the original in a modern Right. And I think that's the tricky thing, right? Because if you, if, if all you're doing is just basically redoing like this, what they're doing with Aladdin, mm-hmm. right? And they're taking it from being a cartoon movie to like, I don't know if you, if, if you change too much of it, then it's not the same thing. But if you keep it too much the same, it's like, it's rehashed. It's like, oh, I've seen this. I've seen this before. It's like, you have to like remakes are tricky. Uh, sure. You know? Steve, did you? <laughs> all right. So. I love John Favreau. But for some reason, Dumb- I can get behind a, a Tim uh, Tim Burton Dumbo for some reason. Jeez. All right. So, yeah. Be, all right. So I have a whole... I don't want to get into that on this episode. But so the, John Favreau is one of my favorite directors slash actors. Like I've, I've been a fan of his some Swingers and, and all the way through Iron Man and all those. But so everybody talks about this new Jungle Book that's coming... or. Yeah, it's the Jungle Book. Oh no, it's Lion King. So the new the live action, the quote unquote live action Lion King. Really? That that looks like computer generated imagery to me, Steve. That means it's animated. (laughs) I don't care if you took a camera and you shot some background of a, a Serengeti somewhere. And then you animate animals onto it. Like, I know that snakes can't talk. I know that lions can't talk. (laughs) So that's animation. So don't tell me it's a live-action adaptation where it's not. And the fact that it's a side-by-side comparison of the original trailer, like, to the same beats and the same camera angles and stuff. Like, all right, now you're starting to fall into the, the remake of Psycho. Do you remember that one with with Vince Vaughn that was directed by Gus Van Zandt? Oh Jay? yeah, yeah. Like oh, I don't shot I don't for know, shot. You can... It was a shot for shot remake. Like, yeah, how, I mean, how can you... dare you, Gus Van Zandt? Like I love you, and you've done great films. How dare you try to copy <laughs> Hitchcock and do it better than he did? The right. hubris, the hubris that Vince Vaughn thought he could top the the Norman Bates character of right. Of Anthony Perkins, like how dare you? The, the hubris, <laughs> right? But that's so. That's the problem when you when you start talking about remakes and reboots. Like, I I had an initial knee jerk. I also I have this weird because I grew up the time that I did when with or, uh, Alfred Hitchcock presents was on USA Up all night. We talked about mm-hmm. that. I used to watch that all the time. So like I became a Hitchcock fanatic by the time I was 10, 11 right. years old. So when I heard that they were remaking it, I was like, oh, okay. I hadn't had that same reverence for the the original because I was young at the time. But then when I saw it, and then I was like, wait a second. And you go back, and it's just a, color, a, a colored version or a... a, a a full color version of the original, same camera angles, and it's just like okay, it's 
Anne Hayes trying to be Janet Leigh? I was like, no, yeah. no, 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 right. don't, don't do that. But that's what I mean. So you, you, there's a huge, that's the trickiest thing about remakes, reboots is that you can alienate the original fan base that you wanted to keep on and still ostracize a new audience that you're trying to capture. Right. So. Right. Yeah, and it, it's tricky. So if I look through, I've got a couple other on my list. Here I want to go through real quick. Um, and these are these are on the list of the in development being. They're various stages, but Masters of the Universe. Sure. So they just, didn't they just cast? They just cast some kid I didn't know about being the new the He Man slash. What the hell was his alter ego's name? The, long as we get to see, long as we get to see Dolph Lundgren. Um, I have a weird. I have a weird. <laughs> a Aaron and Adam Knee are directing. Okay, I have a weird affection. Oh, it's gonna it's gonna show up this year. It's gonna be released in December. So I don't. Like, I grew up on He Man, Steve. Like I loved Masters of the Universe, but then as yeah. I got older and I realized that you realize the whole the whole reason that He Man exists is because it was originally modeled to be a Conan the Barbarian action figure, and they couldn't <laughs> get the they couldn't get the rights to it. So they, right. they they just changed it and they're like, eh, change the story. Yeah. They just change it to something else. So it's right. like, but the original had who was Skeletor in the original? It was uh, not Christopher Lee. It was uh, Frank Frank Langella, wasn't it? I'll bet you a dollar uh, it was Frank Langella. All right, so uh, the Dolph Lundgren, he was Skeletor. I think it's Frank Langella. No, it's our dude. Uh... Now, that was Man at Arms with Alan Oppenheimer. Yeah. Who was Skeletor? Who so was Skeletor? Hold on. It wasn't Christopher Lee. It's it's somebody that when you hear it, you're like, wait, why was he? Oh, wait, that's that? the TV. Sorry, I'm looking at the TV cast. Sorry. Oh, come on. You got go right. to the on, Dolph, go to the, the Dolph Lundgren one. All right. Was it, it was just called Masters of the Universe. Yeah, it was called Masters of the Universe, and that one was, it was one of those ones they got like three quarters of the way through production and ran Franklin out. Franklin Jella was that Franklin. what he said? Yep. Damn. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, yeah. That's one of those ones they got. They, if you read the behind the scenes, they All ran right. out. Of, they ran out of money. Like three. Who played Julia of, Winston? I don't know who Julia Winston is. Julie Winston. Julie Winston in the movie was. No, I'm not betting a dollar on that. I got Frank Langella. Who did. was it? Who was it? Courtney Cox. Uh, I would have gotten there eventually. But these. So they ran Dolph out of was jacked in that movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, full, that's full steroids. Like, that's right. Oh, around, yeah. That's right around Rocky IV. But, it um, is right. Cause that, this was 87. They ran out of money. So the whole idea of that stupid synthesizer key thing that they have to play in order to send them back <laughs> is just one of those things they had to make up on set. Like, dude, we're out of money. What can you build for nothing? And he was like, I can build some kind of bullshit portal-making device, and we can use that as our MacGuffin. And they're like, yeah, sure, it works for us. It was the movie di- that Dolph Lundgren did directly after Rocky IV. There you go. So he was and, all jacked up on those Hollywood steroids. Two movies, three movies before The Punisher. The Punisher. Where he never dons the the skull shirt. So right. I remember being so pissed. I remember being like 13 years old and everybody else was like, this was a really fun movie. And I'm like, this stupid. Didn't have a skull <laughs> shirt. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. All right. So I put that on my list and they are doing it. So I'd be, I'd be interested to watch that. Um, Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. It's hard to do. 
Like, why? I, I don't... How, what do you adapt? Like, that's the, that, that's the problem that you run into. Like, so anytime you're going to adapt D&D, you have to tell individual stories. Otherwise, this is going to get... It runs right. into the... Did you see Warcraft? The Duncan Jones no. War, World of Warcraft movie? It's good, I guess. Like, the CGI is okay. And, but the thing that D&D... The thing that's great about D and D is the size of the world and the the possibilities of monsters and quests and adventures and abilities and powers. When you start doing narratives, when you start doing narrative features based on it, it limits it. You right. can't shoehorn everything into it because then yeah. it feels cluttered. And then if you don't put something that you are waiting to waiting to see on screen, you feel cheated. Right. So. No, like that's that you can't like it, it's one of those ways you can't make a good a- adaptation of D and D. Well, you could, depending on. Oh, you need if, a good you need a good script, if, right? Yeah, you, you need to be able it, to, you need to take the essence of D and D and be able to put it in a way that you can you can bring it all together. Sure, but so but I, but again, I think not say not knowing how they're going to do it, just saying. Finding finding movie properties that are ripe for remake, I would say Dungeons and Dragons is one. If you're talking about dragons in general, give me a remake of Reign of Fire any day of the week. Mm, yeah, we've talked about that. Oh god. I I don't know why I have and in the original is not bad. I there's not of course there's some there's some pots there's some spots that the CGI is dodgy, but Christian Bale's great. Gerard Butler's great. Matthew McConaughey plays against character, and he's great. The CGI's okay. The The production value's pretty good. The story's okay. The script's decent. But I just always talk about, like, I just want to see what the the CGI or the, the effects people b- behind the dragons on Game of Thrones would be able to do with the idea of dragons released on right. modern society. Right. A, a, a dragon versus a fully equipped Apache attack helicopter is just one of these images I have in my mind. Like the one that the one that shows up at the end of Rambo 3 that has like the 60 missiles attached right. to the wings right. and stuff like that versus what is the... A dragon. No, what is the one from Hobbit? Was it Smog? Yeah. The, the, yeah, so yeah. The giant... The, just to have a two hour, like two hours of uh, Apache attack helicopter fighting a dragon sounds awesome to me. Like, sign me up. But is there anything wrong with the first? Is there enough of an audience built in of the first that even remaking it would work or Alien would be right. would be cost uh, cause beneficial? Eh, I don't know. Yeah. Probably not, but they're remaking Dune. the The David Lynch, like uh, the David Lynch version, is so weird and so mm-hmm. and and so David Lynchian that it. <laughs> but the new one sounds awesome. Like every person that I've ever liked in Hollywood seems to be in this movie, and Dallas Villeneuve is one of my favorite working directors right now. And I've read the books. Well, I've read a couple of the books. I haven't read all of the Frank Herbert I don't even know how many is there eight books and they're all like six hundred pages like no I, I can't do that much but I read the, the the first one and I read Children of Dune and I read a few of the other ones but sure 
I'm in. I don't really care about the original one. I thought staying in his loincloth was a little distracting, and I thought the CGI was a little bit... It's dated, so you can't go back and watch it, but sure, I'm interested in see. But it could be bad, it could be preachy, but Dennis Villeneuve makes good stuff, so I'm in. Right. But Well, and... Did you say Sting? Yeah. In the original Dune? You want to put a dollar bet on that one, too? No. No, I, was saying, but I'm, I know Bowie was in it. David Bowie was not in Dune. Sting was. You want to put a dollar bet on that, man? What am I looking at? Was it the, the one from 84, right? David Bowie. I, I, dude, I'm almost 100. Sting was in that. Sting what? plays Bar- Baron Harkonnen's son. I forget what his name is. He walks around in a loincloth, and he's all slathered in oil. All right, hold on. Wait, that was the this was the David Lynch one, right? Yeah, David Lynch. Sting is the main character. Gordon Sumner. <laughs> no, not not. Oh yeah, there he is. There you go. You're over two. Why was I thinking? Why was I thinking Bowie was in that? I don't know. You, that's are you, awful. Are you thinking about the man who fell to Earth? No. That, that's a good weirdo. Early '80s movie with David Bowie. That's bizarre. What Labyrinth? am I thinking of? What was Bowie in that I'm thinking of that was La- the same time? Labyrinth. Y- yes. The Goblin King. Where he's, he showed a ward of friggin' codpiece, but he didn't. So it's just wangs just on display <laughs> for the entire. It was one of those. We, we right after he died not too long ago, I watched Labyrinth again, and I'm like, oh man, he's wearing a codpiece. Oh wait, he's not wearing a codpiece in some <laughs> scenes. And then I was also disappointed that do you remember? Like, do you remember Labyrinth enough to remember Gareth, the Goblin King, the character no. that he plays? He he juggles the the metal balls. You know what I'm talking about? Like the stress mm-hmm. balls that yeah, he yeah. can kind of, he does three at a time. That's not him. That's not David Bowie doing it. It's a juggler behind him sticking his hand up so it looks like <laughs> David Bowie. I was so I was so sad and disappointed when I learned that. I was like, oh, David Bowie's not actually a magician. Oh, it's so sad. But How did I? Wow, that's uh, awful. Now you, are you $3 now? Yep, Jesus. You're in the hole. That's what I mean, yep. dude. Bring it. Anytime you want to challenge uh, yeah. me. I'll get you. I like. I don't know why. I'm like it's. Uh, to who I got part of the reason is I was up freaking late watching Punisher because you're like, oh, you watch Punisher, and I was like, oh, this is really freaking good, and then I was up late. And now, I'm, now I'm tired. How many episodes did you watch? Uh, I'm like on episode nine. I'll probably watch a couple this more tonight. So so good, right? It's like, so good. The the scene where they raid his office and he's all beat the or his like warehouse and he wait has, wait wait. I don't know. You don't spoil anything. Um, okay, I don't. Know. All right, I won't describe it. But all right, so Bill. Well, I have one more. I have one more. It's in the line. Well, I say kind of in the line of Dune, but. I have one more that I think is ripe of remake, and then I'm going to spit off a couple that are in development that I'm like I'm, I, that I'm that I'm not in for. I want your opinion on. So, one that I have that I think would be ripe would be good for remake, just because I haven't seen it forever. But I just remember what, like there was a period in time where I was like, man, this was good. This was a good idea. And the first one was good. Some of the follow on stuff, the TV show, whatever, was Highlander. Okay. Like I, I think there, I think there's another Highlander movie in there that if you re remade that, you could you could do some good with that material. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, well, it's sure, but like, all right, that. So when we were doing our research, we came across the same the same list, and I've watched The Highlander, and it's good. Like Christopher Lambert's a terrible actor. You have Sean Connery playing a character called the Spaniard, <laughs> and he doesn't change his accent at all. That's what I mean, Steve. Like, so that is one of those. Like, it it worked perfectly in whatever it came out, the late eighties, like eighty eight. Steve Sean Connery doing a Scottish accent, but I don't want Sean Connery back. I want them to take. That's what I'm saying. Is the like the idea of immortals mediocre at best, but. The 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 concept could have been done. It could have been done better. Like if you you could reboot and remake Highlander, and I think it would be it would be a step forward. Okay, I don't have the the same affinity for the originals. Like I, they're good. Like I, I of course watched them, but I don't. It falls under like Logan's Run. Like everybody's clamoring for a Logan's Run remake. I'm like, really? I, okay, I, I enjoyed the original and the the idea of whatever you get terminated on what your 24th or 25th birthday can, can cause some interesting uh, psychological and philosophical dilemmas. But mm-hmm. like, do we, do we really need, is there going to be a built in audience that as soon as they see a remake of Logan's run, like they sign up on their Fandango app? Like, no, the people that know <laughs> the people that love Logan, Logan's run still pay cash at the box office when they go at like an hour before the movie starts. Like those right. are the same. So it doesn't, I, I don't know if there's the, the necessary, the necessary audience for Highlander or Logan's Run anymore, right? But I think like a movie like Starship Troopers, if you do it, that's more along the lines with uh, Robert Heinlein's book than the the Paul Verhoeven one is such like a almost like a parody of it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like space. Marines propaganda and stuff, but don't get me wrong. <laughs> right. I I love I I thoroughly enjoy that movie, but that is one of those ones I think could benefit from it. But again, it there's enough of a built-in audience from the book that if you do something that's loyal to that, you'll bring the readers back. But I don't I don't know if there's the same built-in audience for the Highlander or Logan's Run, but. It, one of the ones that I've always wanted to see get remade because the it's based on a video game and the original video game was one of the scariest video games they ever played. But the movies made it into the Van Helsing big budget, high concept action movies. Resident Evil should be a haunted house, scary as hell. This cop team just stumbled across this. Right ground zero of the zombie apocalypse where the 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 movie was a little bit too action focused and a little bit too special effects focused like it should be a scary ass haunted house movie you know what i mean like it right. should be them no oh, no around. i remember like when we play i remember you and i playing it was a playstation one yeah the original and, and, and in the basement and like when i was home from school and like being like terrified like it pitch black <laughs> playing it like on a 13 inch color television and just being like this is scary as shit like one of the first things you do is you walk around a corner like you have to search mm-hmm. a little bit after you walk in the house and you come around a corner and there's this corp there there's a, a zombie devol- or devouring a corpse 
but it doesn't. You just hear like the biting first in the game. And, <laughs> right. And, but then you see the movie and it's like wire foo and it's gun foo and it's like all these explosions. They're like, no, 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 no. I want a nice, simple, not necessarily jump scare, but like a kind of a creeping dread, weird lab kind of feel to it where I think if you could update it and make it simpler rather than having the like uh, you could eventually get into the umbrella corporation and all of that stuff where i think the the movies tried to rush into the apocalypse and the the bigger scale where i think if you just tell the story about the house the first house that the what is it star or the team star or whatever the the cop team that goes there make it about them and make it almost like the raid where you just you send this you send this military team or this this cop team (laughs) to this house and instead of martial arts meth junkies it's zombies and like make it that but for me would make for a much a much better movie agreed agreed and then I got one more, and I don't know if it's going to be popular. And if you can make a, an, a, an updated hard R blade in the modern in the modern Marvel universe, and just kind of do a Deadpool where you can just throw a decent amount of money at it, oh, mm-hmm. that first blade is still one but, of my. But favorite. would you? But Wesley Snipes? No. Get somebody else. Yeah. Dude, like Michael read, B. Jordan read, or something. Read the yeah. Read be, read the behind the scenes of how crazy Wesley Snipes went at the end of those movies. Like, <laughs> nah, <laughs> no. But like, I, I, I the first one. I'd I, be I, in. A, I'd be in on a blade. I stopped watching. Like, I, I don't know that I've watched the whole canon or whatever of of, no. of Blade. But first, the, the first, first couple were good. First one is great. Second one is good. That's Guillermo del Toro. That's the guy that did Shape of Water and. Yeah. Like that one's good. Third one, it, it had Ryan Trinity Reynolds. was that? Yeah, yeah, Blade Trinity. It had Ryan Reynolds in it, and Ryan Reynolds has some great lines in it. He calls. I know this is probably going to put us in the explicit category, but I just <laughs> have to. Ryan Reynolds calls Parker Posey a cock juggling thunder cunt in that movie, and every time <laughs> I even think of it, it makes me laugh because it's Ryan Reynolds in that kind of smarmy disposition where he's like all he's chained up and Parker Posey play, is a vampire that says you know what what are you going to do and he he says you feel that tickle in your throat that's colloidal silver pumping through the air you cock jungling thunder <laughs> but that movie like it went off the rails and like the, even the special effects in the first one don't work the second one has its issues the third one has a whole different set of issues that we won't get into but right Give me, give me a modern update. Give me, give me what what Blade was in the comics, where he's the the he fights for what's right. And Wesley Snipes is kind of a dick. <laughs> right, they're good. I remember I saw Blade in college, and I immediately went to the local, whatever Sam Goody or whatever, and bought the bought the soundtrack just because I like the the trip hop and all the te- <laughs> right. techno techno music that was on it, but. Give me a modern update. Give me, give me a bigger budget. Give me, give me something that at the end you don't have to worry about Stephen Dorff trying to be an action star. You can actually use <laughs> special effects to cover the fact that he can't fight with a sword. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then it just, dude, is the the technology's come so far, and with Mister Robot being as 
not necessarily important or popular, but I watch Mr. Mr. Robot because I think it's really good and it does you're a software dude, man. You know computers. Like <laughs> that's that's smart hacking. So give me a give me a modern update of hackers. Don't give me this right bull crap interface where you know you put your cgi goggles on and you're floating around like the lawnmower man like give me a modern update of the assault on personal information and the the lack of privacy and people putting cameras in their homes and then being surprised when they're hacked you know what i mean right. like they, they... well but and and the whole thing though is hacking these days like the, the because Computer software is so secure. It's all social engineering. And it's, yeah, it's DDS. It's the like, denial of service. Like people, people go nuts when you take their internet away. So crash right. the websites that they like and make it so it, 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 whatever, it, it pigeonholes into a certain area. Like slow it all down and see right. what happens when people can't get on Instagram or Facebook or no. But I, I, but but I, I can't remember where I just saw this. But it was like they they showed somebody like it was a um, it might even be like a news expose or something. But they showed this woman. She's like like let me show you how I can get your uh, some personal information on you. And she has her phone out and she's got a YouTube video of a baby crying. And she calls up the insurance company and um, she hits play and the baby's crying. And she's like, hey, I, you know, like my husband didn't add me to the insurance account. Uh, I can't log in. Um, can you tell me what email address he used? And then she ramps up and the baby's crying louder. She's like, and, yep. she's, and she's playing like she's got a baby in her hand. And the guy completely gives the email address and then adds her to the account and all that stuff. And it's freaky because... It's that that's hacking today. Before yeah. was, computers were so new, nobody knew how to protect them. Nobody knew how you could use them for for evil. But now that you can do so much with, you can hack people are much easier than hacking computers. Dude, I got a sorry, <coughs> I got a message on my voicemail from a girl that said my phone number has been calling her every day for the past six months. Like yelling into my cell phone, like my cell phone clearly says who I am, and right. like it's clearly not a business line that's trying to sell her car insurance. But she called because spoofing is so easy to do. Like you saw that, who was it? Was it the the that the guy that runs the FCC now that was doing a talk about how? Cybersecurity has been better than it ever was, and he got a robocall in the middle of his speech. <laughs> he was standing up, like he was standing up and giving oh, a speech sure. about how. Well, they rolled back all like the 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 restrictions on robocalls, and that's why they've ramped up exponentially over the past like ever since that new guy took over the FCC that wants the, the that's anti net neutrality and I forget, it's like Ari whatever his name is Avi. Right. But so ever since he took over, they rolled back the restrictions on what robocalls were allowed to do. And one of the people that was on this campaign about this is okay was doing a speech somewhere. And it was being televised. And in the middle of him giving the speech, he got a he got a robocall in the right. middle of it. And he turned bright red and got <laughs> unbelievably flustered. But it just illustrated the point that nobody's safe. So give me right. something where the the group of really smart people that understand how to social engineer hack it's not just the technical stuff anymore because 
the government's got. No, the the, the technical stuff, like hacking a computer, almost impossible. Mm-hmm. A, a government a government computer, almost impossible to hack. Hacking sure. a person, complete. Uh, all sure. you got to get is someone's password, right? All you have to get is somebody figure out how to gullible. get it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the that's the part. You know, there is a um, and I use this story like when I'm talking about security and stuff. And I heard it from a a friend of mine who's real into hacking and security. He's wicked smart, um, and he he does all sorts of crazy stuff. It's, it's scary how much this guy knows. But sure. he was at a security convention. I think he was actually speaking there. And one of the things that one of the vendors did was they put paper shredders in everybody's hotel room, like at, or at least at the main hotel where most of the attendees at this conference were staying. Sure. And then later, the company that sponsored it was doing a a uh, thing on security and it's like, Hey, you know, we, you know, we provided you all with shredders. You could shred up your information and be safe and, and all that. But Oh, by the way, those weren't shredders. Those were scanners. Those are scanners because you, <laughs> there, there was ones that they were doing the same thing that, that, uh, 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 I forget how long ago it was, but a group of people showed up that looked like they were there to shred documents and mm-hmm. they did. But before it went through the shredder, it was fed through. It was yeah. fed through a scanner, so it was all digitized, and they ended up stealing all of these confidential documents yep. that were supposed to be shredded. Like pretty easy, yep. But that's what I mean. So give me a hackers where I mean, especially I, we're not a political podcast, and so we're never going to get into current politics. But the idea of the the fear mongering and the the clickbait and everything that happened with Facebook and the meddling of elections and and the how they use these social media platforms as propaganda is terrifying to me like that's why right. I rarely like Twitter's the only one that I really use anymore and it's pretty much just because Twitter's like the wild west like they don't really have <laughs> right. a whole lot of restrictions on what you can and can't say which is both a blessing and a curse, and I'm sure they're monitoring us as much as Facebook and Instagram are, but I haven't heard anything about Twitter accessing my microphone when I'm ever using Messenger, when I've never given it authorization to use my microphone. So I think a modern update of hackers in that context, where it's not the, the idea of the security of your computer is at stake, it's the security of, of your personal identity. <laughs> yep, of course, of course. So. Well, cool. And then there's a couple on this, and we got to wrap up here. Um, sure. But there's a couple on these where I'm like not interested. Like I'm not interested in a, 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 a reboot of Matrix without the what is it? The Wojcikowski brothers. Um, they're not. They're they're not brothers anymore. What? They're both girls. Oh, that's right. <laughs> well, you, you know what I mean. They were childhood like, sisters. Yeah, no, I agree. Yes. If, I'm not, I'm in, not interested no. in the Matrix. I'm not no. a reboot. I'm not interested in a Major League reboot. Nope. Nope. That's, that's done am, in past. The, the, the Indians are not a laughing stock anymore. And if they're yeah, not the yeah. Indians, it's not Major League. Call I'm on the else. fence about the Crow with Jason. Was it Jason Momoa as the yeah. Crow? I'm, I'm okay with that because... The crow wasn't. I don't think was ever in. In and you know more of this than I would in the comics. Like, I don't think it was like oh, like it was the. It wasn't a singular person. No, it, it was, was. It's a mantle. You could have multiple crows. Like you could yeah. have like the crow was a. The, it was kind of a pattern of like everybody had a story, yeah. or you had people that had stories that related back to the crow and bringing them back to life to say yeah. what was it, wrong, right, that type of thing. So. But I'm not. I don't know that I'm interested in seeing it. I, I'm, I'm. I think I'm okay with it. Like they can make another one. Um, the ones after Brandon Lee were 
not good. I don't think they were great. Um, no, but try it again. Only, I'm, I, I like the idea. I like the concept. Crow's one of my favorite movies. The only reason that I, is it really that good of a movie, or is the soundtrack that good? You know what I mean? Like it's that's both. That it's soundtrack, both, but it, is we didn't famous. have a. You know, at the time we didn't have a dark, anti-hero. gothic yeah. superhero. Sure, like guitar player you know what i mean like there was there was and brandon lee was cool and yeah. like at the time it was a I, I thought it was it was where all the movies were going one way this was something completely different it was dark it was action it was you know had an awesome soundtrack that was a big part of it but it was i liked it that yeah the, the crow soundtrack and the, the judgment night town track were probably two of my favorite soundtracks of all time yeah. just because how helmet house of pain song just <laughs> right <laughs> we'll do we'll do top soundtracks at some point all some right point. Any, anything else on this I got one other one one other one that i'd like to mention that i would like to see a, uh i'm i'm a huge stephen king fan so give me a reboot of uh children of the corn make it mm. act, make it actually along the books because the idea of children taking over this country is it's terrifying to me now mm. that I'm an old man turning, yeah, four, turning exactly. 40 with children and stuff like that. Like the what of, I forget what movie it was like these I, the idea that these kids are going to take care of me when I'm older is terrifying. And the one I forget someone turns and says I wouldn't count on it like that. That concept <laughs> spread right. over a Children of the Corn movie would, would be really good. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's all I really got. I really want to see what they can do with the stand. I, I love the book. the The book is one of the ones I'm most proud proudest of of reading because I read mm. the unabridged like sixteen hundred <laughs> page version, of it. right? And the the miniseries. I was young, and it was before I read the book, so I really like the miniseries. But let's see what they can do with the yeah. big screen adaptation of it. But that's that's long shot nerd stuff. I'm not holding up my hopes for. Right. So nope, that's it. Well, cool. This was a good one, like I said, a little, little off format where we went through, we talked about a ton of movies. I think you and I probably looked at the same list, which was good that somebody compiled the 121 movie remakes that are, you know, kind of the out pipeline. there. And, yeah. Hmm? yeah, in the pipeline. It's just, Hollywood will just regurgitate anything. Of course. Make money. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's when you're looking for a formula, like past success is indicative of future success in almost sure. anything. Sure. You know, and, or past performance. So if something was crap, it's odds of it being good the second time around aren't going to be good. But if it was good before, it'll be good again. Yeah. Um, and you know, these guys aren't mm-hmm. like they don't like to take risks as much yeah. as they used to. At least the the big studios don't. So that's where we're seeing a lot of these. The people that own the rights to these are the ones that are putting them back out. So agreed, agreed. Well, cool. Well, uh, so that'll do it for this episode. We'll put a bow on this one and. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at MatchWits, uh, that's uh, W-I-T-T-S, and uh, you can head our website at MatchWits.com. Uh, you can also give us reviews on iOS. Uh, I think it's the only we can do reviews and ratings. I'm not sure about the Google Play Store and what they do with podcasts. But, um, until then, uh, until next time, uh, we bid you adieu. Hi, brother. I'm your Huckleberry. Victimized!